Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Trevor Lawrence Report podcast. I'm your host, uh, John Shipley, with my co-host Gus Love. Gus, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Well, until about 10 seconds ago, because that definitely was the biggest jinx in the world. So now uh, I was... Had to do some rebranding. I mean, <laughs> for all we know, they're they're going to hold a number two pick by 4 p.m. on Sunday. So exactly, might as well use these couple days that uh, that we have to take advantage of their newfound situation. But uh, Gus, uh, I mean, uh, obviously a lot has happened in the last couple of days. Uh, how, how have you been doing, man? Uh, I'm good. My jaw is still kind of permanently dropped from the Jets win, just because when they uh, lost to the. Raiders a few weeks ago it was literally one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in sports and then for them to actually pull out the win against the Rams last week was just ludicrous and so I it still really hasn't really my mind hasn't really wrapped around it quite yet and I think by the time I do kind of recognize what really happened the Jags will probably end up getting a win against the Bears and the Colts so it's been it's been an interesting yeah. last couple of days yeah no for sure and I I it the entire thing I was thinking after that Jets win is what, what was Greg Williams actually doing against the Raiders? Cause I mean, it's obvious, you know, that teams don't tank on purpose and they aren't tanking on purpose. So he clearly wasn't tanking when he did that, you know, uh, cover zero blitz against the Raiders. What his actual rationale was. I, I wish I didn't fire him. I wish I at least let him, you know, did his weekly press conference and then go ahead and fire him. Cause I, I, I think we deserve answers as a football community. Yeah, I just think we don't deserve Greg Williams in terms of football, Twitter football, just because he does it for the memes, I guess. But, I mean, to be fair, when I play Madden, it's about engaging every other play. But that's also yeah, obviously enough. a different circumstance. Fair enough. But, well, yeah, like you said. I mean, we've, we've heard your hot takes. So, I mean, we, we, we can <laughs> assume your Madden and coaching levels are about on par. But, no, nah, no, nah, it's – not great. It's, 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 it's definitely – it was definitely surprising to me because – I mean, I, I was watching uh, the game on Sunday. I had it in the background. I was riding uh, after the Jaguars' loss. And once the Rams, like, made it, I think it was a 10-point game, I was like, okay, uh, this is over. There's zero chance that the Jets will win this game. So, I was thoroughly shocked. I mean, you had Frank Gore picking up huge first down conversions, uh, Sam Darnold making some crazy plays. Uh, Marcus I, – I, I have a take, Gus. I, 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 won't, I won't even wait for the hot takes. My take is – if the Jets don't trade Jamal Adams, they lose that game because he would be covering Gerald Everett and he would have got been burnt toast on that, <laughs> on that deep route. So there, there you go. Because Jamal Adams is, uh, is the way he, he is. That Jets <laughs> because he is yeah, who he they, is. Yeah, because they got the upgrade of that position. And so that's my hot take. Jamal Adams getting traded out, out of New York, uh, potentially gifted the Jaguars Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I've been sitting on that for a few days workshopping it, and I, I, I feel good about it. <laughs> no, I like that take. And part of that is also that Marcus May is a really good player, and that was an awesome play on Everett. But, yeah, I know you've got a lot of Adams takes, and I agree. And, then like, getting two first-rounders for pretty much any defensive player is good. So, New York has won that trade since the summer. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it kind of looks better and better as time goes on. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, definitely. I mean, it 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 was a it was a great play by him, and I mean, Darnold even you know had a couple really impressive throws. I thought, I mean, I I remember I think it was the week before the Raiders game. I looked at the Jets' last six games, and I was wondering where in here do they find a win. And whenever I was like ranking in terms of probability, the Rams game was like 
I thought the least likely game because I mean, not only is it the Rams with such a good defense, but it was in Los Angeles. Yeah, I didn't realize that until like a few hours after the game. I was reading like a game recap and it said the Jets stole a game in Los Angeles and that makes it even more crazy. I just assumed yeah. the whole time that it was in Jersey. But yeah, yeah it no, was just... No, the, uh, the Rams should be shit sick to their stomach. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick for their stomach too. Then. They keep doing this honestly every once in a while. It wasn't just last week. They kind of keep shooting themselves in the foot and just, I don't know. I mean, part of it is that golf isn't a real quarterback. I was gonna say free, uh, free Sean McVay, free Sean McVay from Jared Goff, and I'm not sure he isn't in that Andy Reid, Sean Payton tier because I feel like he is really good. He just he does not have a, a trigger man. But I mean, right. he, j- the Jaguars, uh, the Jaguars can relate because I mean, I I, I feel like on Sunday, uh, part of the reason why there's so much elation from people seeing the Jaguars get, you know kind of get into the driver's seat for that number one spot is I think it's a mix of two things. I think one, um, it was one day after, and we'll talk about it more, but a day after Justin Fields just had a horrible showing, the, the worst game of his college career in the Big Ten Championship. So I think, you know, going from two to one, obviously that played a big role in a lot of people's reactions. But also, I mean, it happened three hours after we saw the Jaguars just put forth kind of a pathetic performance on offense. You know, I mean, their volume numbers, especially Gardner Minshew's ended up okay. You know, he completed over 70% of his passes, but they had 61 yards of offense at halftime, like 2.1 yards per play. I mean, it, it was 26 to zero when they even put together their first legitimate, you know, drive. So I, I, I think just kind of seeing the ineptitude of their own current quarterbacks, as well as seeing fields a struggle as much as he did kind of, really made people like, okay, this, you know, there's not multiple paths to kind of turning this thing around. This is the path. Yeah. You mentioned that stat line. I was in shock when I like looked at it after the game. Mitchie yeah. finished 22 of 29 for probably 200 something yards, which is just ludicrous. Cause if you asked me like immediately following the game, I probably would have said he completed like four of 29 passes, but yeah, it was a rough day on defense. I think my hot take last week was that they would score zero points and not have a snap in the red zone. You're and close. only cross yeah, and only cross <laughs> midfield like four times. They were on pace for after a little bit. Twenty six to zero in the first half. Yeah. Fifty two zero would have been quite something, but even still forty to sixteen or whatever the final ended up being was I mean, it wasn't even close. And that was kind yeah. of what it seemed like it was gonna be for the past few weeks. Like they hung close with the Vikings. But I mean, lately it's been. I mean, n- now in retrospect, is that even like, is that even that big of a deal? Like hanging close with the Vikings? Because I mean, I, f- I feel like the Vikings just, you know, aren't a good team. And uh, the Jags, they definitely stayed close, you know, with the Browns and the Packers and the Texans, though that's not really that impressive at all. But I mean, so they've, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. They've, they've kind of fought some close games this year. That was kind of their thing in recent weeks. But, the last two weeks, they've just completely fallen off a cliff. So, I mean, it it if the Jaguars had to lose, like, two games during any stretch of the season, like, to secure their future, is this probably, like, the best stretch? Because, I mean, early in the year, they were coming close to winning games. I mean, they're, they're a uh, – you know, they're a Mike Glennon interception or a few uh, missed two-point extra com- – two-point conversions against Cleveland from having two wins. Right, yeah. So they'll be playing the Bears this week and then the Colts the following week. And kind of the good thing about that, um, or something to keep in mind, I guess, is that those two teams are definitely in the playoff mix yeah. and have extra motivation 
to keep playing and not that any team isn't motivated, including the Jaguars to win games, but the fact that they're, they definitely won't be resting their starters and will yeah. obviously will be trying to get not for the Colts. They still have a chance to win the division, but the bears will still have a chance to get a wild card spot in the playoffs. And yeah. so the, it won't get, be gimme's for sure. Like it was like week 17 yeah. last year when the Jaguars beat the Colts in just a meaningless game. Like these games have meaning for the opponents. And yeah. so that's very noteworthy. Absolutely. And I mean, a, a couple of weeks ago, this Bears game actually looked pretty winnable. But I mean, the Jaguars now, you know, they're playing the Bears. You know, the Bears are kind of surging right now. You know, I'm, Mitch Trubisky, of all people, is having a great, you know, last month of football. And I think they've scored 30 points over uh, in each of the last three games. And I believe the Jags are allowing 32 points over, you know, the last three games. So, you know, you it's a Bears offense that's coming in that's playing really well. It's a Jaguars team that, in general, is playing poorly. But, I mean, you look at the roster, and, of course, it is. It, it You know, it looks like they're just pulling guys off, off, off the street at this point and, put, and, you know, putting them in. I, Quentin Meeks is wearing number five, and he's a cornerback, just to give you an idea of where things are at for the Jaguars right now. They literally have no other numbers to give out because they have had so many people turn through their roster. It's, no, I literally saw the five standing on the sideline, and I was like, is, is that like a kicker or somebody? And, nope, it's, it's a cornerback. And CAA rules. And I, I just – I feel like the Jags are playing these two teams at the worst time possible in terms of them – chances of them getting a win, which is what everybody I, – I know everybody in the city of Jacksonville wants to hear, you know, outside of maybe a few who, you know, want to see them win or don't actually care about Trevor Lawrence. My question to you is how likely do you think a win is? I, I got asked last night how – like put a percentage uh, – on how likely you think it is they win a game. And I went 25%. And I, I honestly, I think it might even be higher than that because it feels very Jaguars to kind of kind of ruin this, you know? Right. So 25% that they win at least one of the next two yeah, games? Yeah, no, that they win one of these games, yeah. Yeah, I would say like 15%. But like yeah. that's still in the same range. And like it's understandable just because, I mean, as you said, the Bears have been – kind of rolling recently and part of that is because the defense of the defenses that they've played have been pretty despicable in the past month but at the same time it's not like the Jaguars defense has anything to boast about so I wouldn't be surprised to see a uh, new play action Mitch Trubisky kind of keep rolling and David Montgomery has been playing really well too and then the Colts have been looking kind of as a lot of people yeah. expected this season now that Philip Rivers and T.Y. Uh, Hilton return from retirement and so that's kind of nice. But uh, yeah, I, I think 15 to 25% is probably a good number just because as we saw in week one and as we saw last week when the Jets beat the Rams, like anything is possible yeah. in the NFL. And especially since neither of these teams are clearly tanking, despite what people may think, they're both trying to win. For sure. And so with only so many like snaps and drives, like so many random things can happen during the course of a NFL game, which is kind of the beauty of the sport. But it's definitely a non-zero chance. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's my thing. I feel like a lot of people kind of, you know, just assume that, okay, they have this wrapped up. And I, I don't think so at all, you know, kind of for that point alone, like you said, uh, they're not trying to tank. You know, I, I, I completely understand why those in the fan base are saying, you know, let's put Taven Bryan at quarterback and AJ Can at kicker and, you know, LaVisca Chenault at offensive coordinator. I completely understand all of that. But I think fans also understand. They probably don't care, and I, if I was in their shoes, I probably wouldn't care either. But I think they understand that the players and coaches, it's just 
not in their DNA to try to lose, you know. And that, that was the whole thesis of my column on Sunday night. It was that I, I saw a lot of people complaining about the calls for the Jaguars to tank or a lot of people saying, okay, now that the Jags are in this position, now they need to pack it in. And I'm the whole time I'm just thinking, how, how do you think they got the one in 13? You know, none, none of this none of this was on purpose, you know, for right. for all the moves they made hurt them in the short term to, for long-term benefits. I understand those, but it was never the intention of this team in the offseason to be, you know, in this spot right now. And I thought, I thought Doug Marone put it best when he said that he doesn't mind getting questions about the tank because it's their own fault that they're getting it, you know, because they're one in 13. So I don't think they have to purposely quote unquote tank. I just, I think they have to be the 2020 Jaguars, which, you know, they work hard and they try every week, but they're just a bad football team. And, that, that, that's my whole opinion uh, on the tank. I wouldn't expect any franchise to do it, but I don't think the Jaguars have to do it. I think they have a good shot of losing these next two games on their own. I mean, they're having a quarterback competition in week 16. That, that is one of the most baffling things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Between Gardner Minshew and Mike Glennon. Week 16. I would, be, I would love to see a Mike Glennon revenge game. And just have do you know like the one highlight or low light, I guess, of the ball when he's trying to take a snap and it bounces off his kneecap like across back across the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. It's insane. So I mean, either one is gonna be I mean, entertaining might be too kind of a word, but it'll be intriguing I, to watch, I guess. I was gonna say I wasn't I wasn't entertained Sunday. Uh, right. I, I I was not. I was not. And I, I've told you this a bunch of times, Gus, and I tell you know, Demetrius Harvey, all them that. I'm like, I, I I don't care about the result on Sunday. And because of that, I just want to watch some okay football on Sundays. And last Sunday was not that. And I'm not I'm not so sure this Sunday is either. But, no, I'm with you. Uh, the Glennon revenge game is honestly first thing I thought. So, I see a lot of people calling for Glennon to start at quarterback in hopes of the tank. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you want that. You know, I mean, Glenn, Glennon, Glennon, you know, has, has a uh, – chip on his shoulder from the Chicago days. I mean, <laughs> he, he, the, I mean, he even mentioned his Chicago days, you know, uh, earlier. Um, I mean, this season as, you know, kind of a time that he's kind of trying to forget about. So no, I, if you had to guess right now, who do you think is starting at quarterback? On Sunday? I would say Minshew just cause we, I mean, we know who both quarterbacks are, but just as since Minshew's the home guy and he's the younger guy and I don't know, he's been starting most recently. I'd be a little surprised if they went away from Minshew. And I kind of – I don't – I'm not sold on him giving them the best chance to win right now just because, like, we just saw with the Steelers how, like, Big Ben's average depth of target is, like, one. Yeah. And it just puts a cap on their entire ceiling. And so yeah. Minshew's always been that way where, like, obviously the with the roster and the coaching that they have, there's not much of a ceiling to be had. But – um yeah, like his play just like doesn't raise the roof at all. And so it's hard to score any amount of points with that. And so like Glennon obviously isn't good. And he's, uh, I just think he gives the Jaguars a better chance to score more points, which yeah. is kind of the point. And especially like th- actually getting the ball to DJ Chark and I don't know, just getting it past 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, I guess. It, how, how sad is it that one of DJ Chark's better games this year was a four catch, 53, <laughs> 53 yard performance the other day? I'm like, and, and anybody that still, I think, is saying that DJ Chark is one of the big reasons that he himself hasn't had a good season. I I beg of you to watch, you know, the the all 22 and whatnot of the uh, of both the Vikings game and this past game against the Ravens because. 
I don't know how DJ Truck hasn't opted out of 2020 season with, you know, how, how some of these passes have went. But, no, I, I'm actually going to defer from you guys. I'm, I'm glad that you went with Minshew because I think Mike Glennon's going to start. I really do. I, I think if Minshew is going to start, they wouldn't even uh, say we're having, you know, a competition. They would just say, hey, we're rolling with Gardner. I think this at least gives them some, you know, uh, they can say, okay, well, Mike looked better in practice, so we're going to go with him as opposed to saying after the Ravens game, okay, after six quarters of Gardner, we changed our mind again. Uh, I, I, I really do think that Gardner's play style in terms of him just being so it, – it's just his pocket reactions to pressure and his movement is so inefficient and really harms the offense. Like on Nick Ngakwe's uh, strip sack, that was a three-man rush that Cam Robinson did not have a bad block on. You know, that, that was a solid – like like the – Rushers were nowhere near Minshew, and then he started panicking in the pocket and gave Ngakwe a clear path at him. And just those are the kind of plays that I really do think the Jaguars' offensive staff are kind of fed up with. So I, I, I think Glennon's going to start. I, I think once he had said that it's going to be a competition, that got me thinking Glennon's going to start. So I'm, I'm happy we, dis- we disagree. This gives uh, one of us the chance to be right and rub it in the other's face. Yeah. Well, let me read this to you. I just pulled up my uh, article from last week. I was talking about Robinson versus a uh, unique matchup. I wrote, it's likely that Minshew will hold on to the ball for too long and indicate or initiate lots of scramble drills, which makes Robinson's job harder. But if Minshew plays smart and decisive, then Gakwe and the rest of the defense shouldn't call to, cause too much havoc. And obviously that didn't happen. Yeah. And when Minshew like finds and identifies and hits his first read, then he's a pretty solid quarterback that anything that happens after that fact is just disastrous sometimes. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's, I, I, my perception of his ceiling has definitely gone down. But, I mean, I, I, I think games like that just kind of scream how badly the Jaguars kind of need, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, I know all the arguments, you know, what, what did the Colts win with Andrew Luck, even though they were one of the NFL's winningest franchises during his career. But people always like to forget about that. Because, I mean, only a handful of quarterbacks have even won the Super Bowl in the last few years. And people, you know, talk about, well, what did Washington get with RG3? The guy kind of, you know, blew out his knee in his first year. So all these cases of getting the first overall pick doesn't do anything for you. All the examples of them, I think, just don't make any sense. I think you put Trevor Lawrence on this team today, and he improves it by several wins. Uh, not by – not significantly enough to make them even close to a 500 team probably closer to like a four and 12, you know, probably closer to like what the Chargers are right now. You know, the Chargers had Minshew instead of Herbert. I bet the Jaguars and Chargers records are reversed. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. There's, yeah, there's been multiple just close losses this season that with probably better coaching, but definitely with better quarterback play yeah. and just average quarterback play. Like Herbert's been easily above average, even with average quarterback play, like the Jaguars squeak out a couple more wins this season. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I 100% agree with that take. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's it, it, it's funny because uh, when when Frank Gore made that conversion, I tweeted out, <laughs> and I, I stand by it. It was like, I, I'm not being hyperbolic, but Frank Gore might have just saved, you know, the Jaguars, like, franchise as a whole and their long-term health. And I do think Lawrence is that kind of prospect. You know, I think he can instantly, like, the, the way I see it, the Jaguars were able to keep the number one pick and draft Lawrence uh, you instantly have, you know, more of a healthy buzz about the team, one, both nationally and locally. 
And two, you're getting, you know, more eyes on the team because, I mean, they're not going to have the number one pick not play in any primetime games, you know. I mean, even even Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, they got several primetime games. So, I mean, he would just add so much to the Jaguars purely as a business. And then when you look at, at the football field, you know, we've mentioned, you know, like you had said, they were an average quarterback away from picking up a few more wins. So, to me, he is the only sure thing at quarterback in this class. And uh, this kind of segue me into our next topic. But I think that there's – any quarterback that's worth kind of agonizing yourself for two weeks over, you know, whether your team's going to win, win or not, I think Trevor Lawrence is that quarterback. So I, I, I can't imagine, you know, what Jack's fans are going to feel over these next, you know, 12, 11 days or whatever. Just judging from Twitter, it's kind of the wild, wild west out there, you know. Right. Yeah, people people get a little antsy. But I I, I think if they are able, you know, to finish the season 1-15, and 15, like, I, I expect them to. I think it's a – I, I'd call it I'd call it a successful season if they're able to get the number one pick. I really would because I yeah I, I I'd say you know you what's one more losing season if you get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, we I think we've both said it from like the past off season, but this will probably be an easily forgotten but one of the most impactful seasons oh, yeah. in like franchise history, just because of cause and effect basically for what it's going to mean for the rest of the franchise. But I've been thinking about I've I've got a question for you because. A few weeks ago, we said that the Jaguars general manager job is probably the second most attractive in our eyes because we would both probably defer to Houston since Deshaun yeah. Watson is that dude. Then the Jack but, used to be article came out. What did you say? Then the Jack used to buy article came out. But right. <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but now I'm wondering if if they have an, if the Jaguars have the number one pick instead of the number two pick does the idea of Trevor Lawrence instead of Justin Fields, especially in the past two weeks of their respective play in college, kind of change our opinions? And for me, I think it does, honestly. But what, are you, what about you? Yeah. What say you? No, I, 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 I'm glad you asked that. I got that question on mailbag. And, you know, it basically was that, you know, if the Jaguars have the number one pick as opposed to number two pick, you think they'd get, like, any new candidates? And my entire thinking is, you know, I, I've said on the show before that, you know, I've I've talked to people who are, you know, that work on these kind of things, you know, the coaching and executive searches, and they've told me that the perception of this job, you know, around the league is that it's a good job. I think going from number two to number one, uh, I, I think it only raises that. I don't think it brings in any new candidates because I think your candidates are going to be the same people regardless of which pick it is. But I think for a coach, it's way more enticing. You know, general manager, you can probably buy into the number two pick and, you know, 11 draft picks, all that cap space. for. But for a head coach, I think if you're able to have Lawrence, you know, kind of in your first year on a job as opposed to Fields or Zach Wilson who look, you know, for as impressive as Wilson was against uh, that school in Central Florida that I graduated from that I will not name. <laughs> Uh, you know, he still has some work to do. Lawrence is the only one who, you know, you can plug kind of plug in day one and be ready to go. And I think a coach, I think that, that'd be a lot more enticing to a coach. So if that makes sense, like, I don't think it will broaden the general manager pool any, because I think general managers are going to be interested in the job regardless, but I do think it would make it more interesting to coaches because if I'm a coach, you know, and I want to go somewhere and kind of hit the ground running, I'm absolutely wanting to go uh, to wherever Lawrence lands, and that's either New York or Jacksonville. 100%. Yeah, I meant more so, like, instead of widening the pool of candidates that their Mm -hmm. interest level would kind of raise, but, like, you're definitely – I definitely agree with your point. And, like, someone like Eric Bieniemy, 
I wouldn't really have expected to have a lot of interest in Jacksonville and probably more so in Houston or for the Chargers if Anthony Lynn ever gets fired. Um, but now if they do end up with Trevor yeah. Lawrence, then all of a sudden, like, I think Eric Bieniemy seriously considers Jacksonville. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. I'm so excited to see who they hire, honestly, for both positions, but especially head coach, just because it's so fun to kind of decipher what best fits would be. Because I think we've talked about Brian Dable a lot on the show. Um, and I think he and Trevor Lawrence would be an awesome fit and a lot of fun. Yeah, my, no, I'm with you. One of my takes is that Zach Wilson and Arthur Smith would be an awesome head coach um, quarterback duo for the next that. five plus years. I think they'd I go that. really well together. Did, was, Wilson he, has – go ahead. No, yeah, you go ahead. You go I was just going to say, Wilson does this thing where he has like a nine-step drop back and then runs forward five yards and just launches it. And it's like the coolest thing of all time. It's just such backyard football. I don't understand it. The physics don't make any sense, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, now that you mention it, now that like I'm thinking about it, he kind of has some Tannehill to him, does he not? I mean, just one in terms of build. Exactly. I mean, people people don't like to think – I know a lot of people consider Tannehill a game manager type or whatever, but – he he's got a cannon, you know. He he fits the ball into some tight windows. So, and now that you, now that you say that, I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of torn with that comp. I know a lot of people have called him Diet Coke Mahomes, but um I'm I'm you to compare anybody to Patrick Mahomes. But I, him and Arthur Smith, that would be that would be kind of a good fit. And Gus, that that kind of takes me into my next point. I guess you know we can either talk about one of these two things next. Uh, we can talk about Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and the options that the Jaguars win one of these next two games. Or we can talk about the three guys that we know are interviewing for general manager. Uh, we, we can probably just go ahead and lead off of quarterbacks. I think having the number two pick, say, a month ago was much more enticing than it is right now. Strictly because I just – Justin Fields has taken a step back this year. You know, I've been banging the Fields drum uh, for weeks. I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, if not the best outside of Joe Burrow last season. You know, he was incredibly productive at Ohio State. You know, he was a great dual threat. But it just seems like this year, it it seems like just something's off with him. You know, his trigger is a bit slow. You know, he's unwilling to get the ball out fast enough. He's taking bad sacks. You can, like, tell that he's staring down targets because he'll just stare in the one direction and then throw the ball like he did on that uh, interception in the end zone. Uh, if, if, if you watched anything from the Big Ten Championship, Gus, or anything from Fields this year, it's just, I mean, are, are you are you worried with him if, say, the Jaguars aren't picking number one overall now? Because, I mean, at least in my perspective, he left the 2019 season as, like, looking like a franchise savior type if he took that next step. And right now, he's looking more like a project. Yeah, like Lawrence had a little bit of a down year last year. So last year there were people saying that Fields is arguably a better prospect than Lawrence was, honestly. And now after that Indiana game a few weeks ago, Fields did not look good. And everyone was like, okay, that was rough. But like, let's not let recency bias kind of take over. And we know that he's still a great prospect. And then in the Big Ten Championship, the Big 12 Championship, it was Big just ten. Big Ten. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know college sports, John. <laughs> that was another another rough performance. And so it's definitely been a sharp decline the past month because I think you would almost put him and Lawrence in the same tier a month ago and then people like Nance and Wilson in another tier. But now it's kind of Lawrence and then the rest of the guys. Uh, like, so. like at this point, I think it's kind of becoming – a bit unpopular for people to even have fields as quarterback too, you know, and that's, that's a bit unfair because Northwestern's defense compared to the UCF 
Wee, Pop Warner, JV defense that Zach Wilson played is, you know, two significantly different things. I mean, my biggest thing on Wilson when talking to people is, hey, you know, his his tape is littered with special throws, but things have kind of been a perfect situation for him this year because, I mean, he just rarely sees a pass rush and he's playing bad defenses more often than not. But then you have to balance that with Fields who, you know, he's getting those tough matchups that, that Wilson doesn't have the benefit of getting but he hasn't taken advantage of them. And because of that, I think Ohio State versus Clemson is immediately the biggest game that Justin Fields is going to play in, you know, before he becomes a pro. Because I, I really do think that's going to make or break whether or not he's the second quarterback drafted. Because yeah. it just in there, in, you know, when you only play six games and your two worst games come against your two best opponents, it, it's tough to feel confident about you heading into the, the draft process, no matter how interesting the tools are, you know. Yeah, Wilson kind of did his job a few nights ago in that bowl game and kind of said, I mean, obviously it wasn't a great team, as we all know. but Horrible team. <laughs> I want my diploma back. He did his <laughs> – I don't know about that one, but he, Wilson did his job, and even though it is a bad defense, he still showed out. And yeah. so, as you said about Fields, though, like he was just hesitant to pull the trigger against Northwestern. Yeah. And so, this semifinal game against Clemson is definitely going to be just – Definitely. You know, a straight a straight up audition for the number two spot because as you said like people are saying Wilson QB2 now which doesn't seem nearly as hot now as it would have seemed a month ago yeah no definitely I mean I I, I did a uh, mock draft I think like a month and a half two months ago where I put Wilson at two and the entire reason I did that was the first mock draft I did I put fields there and I literally said in the opening paragraph I'm not going to repeat any picks but I still got a ton of why'd you pick Wilson? But I had so many people upset that it wasn't Fields. And I feel like if I did a mock today and had Fields there, there'd be more people upset with me that I did slot him there, you know? And that just kind of shows how people's opinions kind of ebb and flow with the season. But with Fields, I don't think it's – after the Indiana game, I said concerns about him are reactionary. But I think after the Northwestern game, I think you're probably giving him a pass if you're not, you know, if you're not concerned. And like I said, I still think he's an appealing prospect. It's just – the entire thing with the Jaguars is they kind of need a, you know, can't miss at quarterback. And it looked coming into the season like Fields could be that kind of guy, but right now it's just Lawrence. And, I mean, that makes these next two weeks even, you know, more impressive because I, I think at the beginning of the season, if you told Jaguars fans that they'd be picking number two and could get Fields, they'd be perfectly fine. And I think if you told them that today and that's what would happen, I think they'd be jumping off the Buckman. Right. That's the thing about the Jaguars 2021 offseason is that based on what happens, they literally have the potential to be, I mean, this sounds ludicrous and it's probably a hot take, but technically their ceiling is like top five team in the NFL in three years, just because if they end up with Lawrence and they hit really well on a GM and a head coach, like all of a sudden, if they have like a few good drafts, like they could be at the top very quickly. And obviously, there's a small, a very small chance that that does happen, but there's a chance, which a lot of teams in the NFL can't say, like, at this moment. So, yeah. But yeah, regardless, no. obviously, Lawrence is at this point clearly in a tier by himself and kind of has been for a while. But with that said, there's there's flaws about Fields in terms of his re- recent performances and with Wilson in terms of his strength and schedule and things like that. But there's still both awesome prospects that I'm sure – a lot of teams would be happy to have at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I mean, I was going to say, even if the Jaguars end up missing out on Lawrence, I, I got so many, you know, tweets during and after that Ohio State game, like, okay, you know, if we're picking at two, we need to take the Oregon left tackle. And I'm just, 
No, no man, you, you, you take a quarterback. I don't care if you're taking Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, you know, just take a quarterback at that pick and just hope that you get it right. Because if you take an offensive tackle at that pick and then proceed with the least talented quarterback room in the NFL like they currently have, like, you know, the Jets are a bad team, but Sam Darnold would easily be the most talented quarterback on Jacksonville's roster, you know? Like, they, they have, they have to me, by far the least – like, when everybody's healthy, by far the least talented quarterback room in the NFL. And I just – I don't think you can justify not picking a quarterback with your first pick in that situation, even if maybe the quarterback is a little bit more of a boom or bust than you would think. You know, I think – I just I, – I, say the Jaguars pick a, you know, left tackle and, you know, they get, say, Mac Jones later in the draft. I think that's still like a 2-14 and 14 football team. You know that 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 to me that like that does that, that makes them barely any better if better at all. No love for the Jackson native. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, same no, here. That, that 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 does not bother me. Yeah, no, I, I love my community. Do do not really care if you're from here. <laughs> Shout to Limp Biscuit. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think Jones is going to be. I mean, it'll be interesting to see like where he and like Trask and those kinds of guys land but I'm in the same boat. Like you can make the argument for trading back and getting one of those like mid round first round quarterbacks and then like an offensive tackle or someone else, but it's not close. Like you're taking a quarterback, whether or not it's one or two. I think if you trade back and you don't get one of the top four quarterbacks, it is worse than Jimmy Haslam picking Manziel because a homeless person told him to. <laughs> I don't know that story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. It's a whole thing with Jimmy Haslam. Uh, I'll I'll send you the link. But Jimmy Haslam definitely had, you know, I, I he probably was joking, but it was like somebody had walked up to him in the street and told him, you know, you got to take Johnny football. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the same time, we keep saying like, oh, it would be the most Jaguars things if this and this happened, but it really would be the most Jaguars thing if they ended up trading down and then like missed on, on the quarterback that they wanted by one pick and then just didn't know what to do and didn't draft a quarterback until like the third round would be just so Jaguars and would yeah. just ruin the fan base. Absolutely. Everyone would yeah. be like, all right, just move to London now. We don't even <laughs> care at this point. I, I, I was going to say, they, they win one of these next two games and I'm, 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 I'm going to be worried. But uh, I, I actually found the quote now that you got me thinking about it. It was a Sal Palantonio uh, said it that has him said it. And he says like, here in Cleveland, everywhere I go, people know me. And I was out to dinner recently, and a homeless person was out in the street, looked up to me and said, draft Manziel. Did <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> take that as a sign? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, it, it happened. And, you know, God bless Ray Farmer for having to put up with that draft class. But, <laughs> no, it, it the, the draft is always kind of my favorite just for the wild stories. And, I mean, this is legitimately – these next two weeks are franchise changing for the Jaguars. I mean, no, that's not to say – you know, they should lay down and lay down and lose, but these weeks are big. Yeah, 100%. It's weird covering the draft just because, I don't know, like at the end of the day, there's been so many studies and the analytics and parentheses How much that like say that, that like it's just a crapshoot, which it is. And so like at the end of the day, we're going to have no idea whether Wilson or Fields pans out to be the better quarterback. And a lot of that definitely has to do with uh, like landing spot, but it's just – it's such a weird feeling yeah. kind of spending so much time just nitpicking every single prospect and then just like having a 50% success rate regardless, if that. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere and even earn money right from it. 
and it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Yeah, no, definitely. I it, like I, I think the biggest part of draft evaluations actually comes after the draft when you, you actually know like okay where they're fitting and what the role is going to be. But I think True. landing spots landing spots a great idea. Like, uh, I I think the Jaguars deserve to get you know slammed for passing up on Deshaun Watson because I think Watson's the type of quarterback who would have still been good in the mess that is Jacksonville. You know, he's been good in Houston, but yeah, the mess like, that is Houston. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, one example is you know when everybody mentions passing on Lamar Jackson for Taven Bryan, Lamar won an MVP, so you obviously can't argue it. But I don't think Lamar Jackson would have been good at all in Jacksonville. You know, he he went to the perfect spot for him, I think, and I think he would have succeeded in a lot of spots just. Specifically, Jacksonville, I think, was an awful fit for him. So th- that's just kind of an example of, you know, how big, you know, these landing spots are. You know, for all we know, Zach Wilson could end up going to a place that's completely, you know, tries to tell him, okay, don't be such a gunslinger, you know, kind, kind of dial it down some. And, you know, you, ne- you never know where these guys are going to land. So it, that's my big thing, I think, especially with quarterbacks, is – let's kind of judge them after we see, you know, kind of the teams that they land with. Because for as much as I lo- for as much as I love Haskins as a prospect and for as much as I now know that love was misguided, once he went to Washington, I kind of immediately was like, well, I should probably go ahead and delete that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not going to work out. Yeah, for sure. That was actually a point that I meant to make a couple of weeks ago when we did our, like, free agent wish list, just because that's another reason I'm so excited to see who the Jaguars actually finally end up hiring is because while there's definitely great players out there that's excited to get your hopes up about in terms of like coming to Jacksonville, it's so much easier to kind of find players that you want based on who the coaches are going to be. Like whether it's a 3-4 or a 4-3 base or zone heavy or man heavy or like just like what you're trying to do on both sides of the ball has an impact on the players that you go after and their roles. And so it will be a lot easier to have those discussions yeah. once, the, once the hires are finalized. And yeah, so. no, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, specifically, like you said, you know, free agency, because, I mean, so many free agents are kind of kind of scheme dependent. Uh, you know, while you had mentioned the hiring process, the Jaguars, they have, uh, you know, three guys scheduled to interview for general manager right now. They're, at least from the conversations I've had, they're obviously going to be looking to talk to more people. This is more so about doing the due diligence with people that they're allowed to interview right now. Uh, you know, per NFL rules, uh, the Jaguars and any other team can't interview any front office uh, general manager candidates until the regular season ends. So the only people the Jaguars can talk to are people that aren't currently employed by an NFL team. And as a result, you know, we've seen them line up three interviews with guys who aren't, who either aren't employed by an NFL team or are employed by their NFL team. Uh, you got uh, ESPN analyst Lewis Riddick, uh, former Houston Texans general manager Rick Smith, and then current Jaguars interim general manager Trent Baalke. Gus, just real quick, how would you rank those three in terms of most appealing to least appealing? Uh, I would probably say Rick Smith, one, mm-hmm. and then Riddick, and then uh, Balke. Yeah, Balke. Just because I'm one thing I am surprised by is that like every fan seems to be in love with Jer- Daniel Jeremiah, 
who is very good as job at NFL Network, but he's had like zero buzz. And yeah. so I'm not sure if he's like uninterested in being a GM. Is that so. what it is? I, that, that that's just me assuming, but I think so because yeah, you know, Riddick get legit. Riddick's gotten several general manager interviews over, like even dating back to 2017. And then Jeremiah, the only time I can remember him being tied to anything is when I, I think he almost came on to the Jets front office after Joe Douglas was hired. I think Schefter had a report yeah. that, and but just nothing came of it. So I that sounds similar. I'm, I mean, if I was him, man, I'd rather be in the in the media market anyways. I mean, to me, Mike Mayock is crazy for throwing away the NFL Network bag just so he can be John Gruden's sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Mayock has had some rough drafts recently. And, like, not even just the outcomes, but, like, the night of draft night, everyone was just like, what are the Raiders doing for the past two first rounds in a row? Yeah. And so. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think I would definitely go Rick Smith first because – I mean, the reason he's not with Houston anymore is because he lost a power struggle with Bill O'Brien. And I don't think that's any reason to discount a guy. You know, he didn't get fired because of performance. I believe the season he got fired, they won the division, I mean, for Christ's sakes. So, you know, he, he was a solid general manager. They won several division titles. Uh, he, he was the guy, you know, he was there and they drafted J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson. You know, obviously lots of misses on his record, but that's with any general manager. To me, he at least has experience as a above-average general manager, I think. I, I, I would call the, the Texans run before Bill O'Brien became general manager to be, you know, I, I, I think if that was something the Jaguars would want to aim for, you know, obviously they'd want to get further than the Texans got. But several years of being the best team in the division and kind of, you know, being in the playoff conversation every year through several coaching staffs, I mean, he, he has a good track record with Houston. So I honestly think he is a uh, – I think he's somebody who should be considered, you know, regardless of, you know, who they're interviewing. And then, honestly, I think I'd go Balky over Riddick. I really do. Just because he obviously – he had a lot of issues in San Francisco. You know, he weirdly kept picking players with significant injuries and then hoping to stash them. And I don't know if it ever worked like a single time. And, you know, his entire power struggle and dispute with Jim Harbaugh led to Harbaugh, you know, leaving, and then he did a terrible job replacing him. So he has a ton of flaws, but he's at least been general manager for a successful team before. Riddick hasn't been in a front office since, I believe, 2013, 2014, and I'm just a little unclear on, you know, like what exactly is the qualification there. Yeah, well, I know the Jaguars fans would riot just because they uh, keep unsurfacing some old tweets from him about how, like, he didn't think Jalen was that good, great of a prospect. Number 20 on the Rams, I mean. Um, so, I don't – No, no, you, you, mean, you can say his name. They get, they get <laughs> the Jags in the one pick. No, say I like his name. the bit, though. Say I like his it. name, Gus. Say uh, his name. No, I, I love Jalen Ramsey as a player, I mean. Like, he's <laughs> um he's just the one that got away, honestly. He's so fun to watch. It's, yeah, no, it he hurts is. every he, Sunday. He, he is. In my opinion, I'll definitely catch flack for this because Jimmy Smith, Fred Taylor, and Tony Bozzelli were amazing, but – I think Jalen Ramsey is the most talented dude to ever play ball here. But all right, go ahead. He, he's so good. And that's just like a credit to his talent. It's not even a diss of the guys you just mentioned. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, they're all amazing. Ramsey's just a different breed, man. The fact that he can cover any receiver, genuinely any receiver, is beyond me. But alas, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, think we're, I think we're in the same boat where we both think Rick Smith is like, has proved that he's been an above average general manager yeah. for a long period of time. And that's more than the two other guys would say. And I'd honestly be completely competent with that. 
Like, I think it would be more important to hit, like, to hit really well on a head coach and a quarterback than a general manager. Just because, like, even the best general managers only have short runs of great success. Because as we said, as we said about the draft and just about player evaluation yeah, in general, miss. it's super difficult. Like, there's definitely better player evaluators than others and better team builders than others and, like, certain skills that you'd want in a general manager. But at the same time, I think you'd be more content with, like, an average or above average guy at that spot than you would yeah. be at head coach. So I, I was going to say, it's it's more likely you can carry over strong coaching from year to year than it is, you know, strong drafting or whatever. Because, I mean, even with the Ravens, we saw them, you know, 2013, I think the two first picks were Matt Elam and Arthur Brown. And neither of those guys are even in the league anymore, you know. And it will, we'll excuse the fact that I thought both were going to be really good in the NFL and just completely forget about all of my takes from that terrible draft class to begin with. But um, I, I, I'm with you. I think if they get the number one pick, I'm almost of the thought that they can hire you to be the GM and it won't <laughs> like I like I, it, I it'd, be a Ryan, it'd be a Ryan Grigson type scenario where okay, just make that top pick and then the rest kind of sorts itself out. And yeah, I, I, I think, like you had said, obviously the head coach hire is important, but I mean, say Ryan Grigson, say to hire a better head coach than Chuck Logano, maybe you know they're able to stick together despite his terrible drafting just because they would have that head coach quarterback combo, right? And I feel like, if anything, especially if they hire an offensive guy at head coach to pair with whoever the quarterback ends up being like at the end of the day, you just kind of just listen to what they want. Like um, who's the, the, whoever the general manager in San Francisco is, is a really good GM. But at the same time, I'm sure he gets plenty of input from Kyle Shanahan. It's the same in LA with Sean McVay where like you kind of got to listen to what they want for their offense and the specific guys that they think could fit the mold. And so, like, they'll help you do your job, too, as general manager. So, yeah. I no, mean, I mean, th- that makes perfect sense. And I, that, that kind of goes in line with what we talked about last week with, you know, the potential of, like, a head coach, you know, like like you had said, you know, kind of having that power. Tre- Trevor Lawrence, does Trevor Lawrence make Urban Meyer come out of come out of retirement? I, I, I guess that's that's the question. Would Trevor Lawrence – no, you're shaking your head. I, I don't think so either. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I think the Urban – I'm, I feel like it's going to happen, honestly, like every year for the next couple of years is like, yeah. oh, Urban Meyer, he's a name to watch. But I'll believe it when I see it, honestly. If I, I know that's going to be a tough one for you as a uh, UF student who is still recovering from a Saturday and who will soon be recovering from Trask not winning the Heisman. But Dan Mullen, say he dips from – I'm not saying he's going to, but just hypothetical. Say he says, okay – now, I've had enough of college, I'm over-recruiting, and wanted to go to the NFL. How high would he be up there on your coaching candidates list for a team like Jacksonville who's about to bring in a quarterback? Like, to me, I, I, I think Dan Mullen's going to be a better – would be a better NFL head coach than college coach just because I think he's the kind of coach who's much better on game days than he is in terms of recruiting. And recruiting plays such a big factor in college football that it's kind of hard to balance that. Yeah, I agree with that. So I would say Mullen would be at the bottom of my top tier of like okay. college or of head coach prospects, if that makes sense. Just because yeah, the Gators have been infuriating this season because they haven't put together a single consistent game. Like their potential is basically like beat teams, like beat SEC opponents 50 to seven. And like they just can't put together a full game of excellence. And they always start out slow in the first half. And then end up coming back and 
Like I was honestly pretty content with their performance against Alabama and the SEC championship. Game. Yeah, it was, it was honestly a great game. It made me more sad that it was close yeah. and that we were just right there. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Like he's such an offensive genius and genuinely like probably one of the best play callers in the country for college. Yeah. Um, but I would rather have the enemy out – it would probably, I'd rather have Dab, Dable. It would probably be a toss-up with him and Joe Brady just because, like, he hasn't done, like, a ton at the NFL level. Yeah. And so, I'm not – like, I believe that he's a good enough offensive coach that it definitely wouldn't have a hard time translating. But the fact that he doesn't have that experience yet and that sure. the Gators, as talented as they are, haven't put together, like, a consistent 60 minutes leaves me, like, a little bit on the edge. So, True. like I said, long story short, he would be at the bottom of my top tier of candidates. That's understandable. Here's my question. Robert Saley or Dan Mullen? If you had to pick Dan one or the other for Jaguars. Really, Dan Mullen. The Niners that, that's a tough one for me. The Niners defense coordinator? Yeah. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, only because, I mean, we've talked about this before, so you know my stance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm – like Brandon Staley would be awesome, but, like, I'm just – I really, really would love to see – an offensive coordinator or offensive guy to pair with your franchise quarterback for the next decade. Yeah. It just makes too much sense to me. And especially as the J- Jaguar reports analytics guy in air quotes, like offense is so much more people will say like defense doesn't matter and running backs don't matter and all this bull crap. And like at the end of the day, what the nerds are trying to say is that offense is much more stable from year to year. And so basically it's much easier to rely on offensive production over a long period of time than defensive production. Because as we saw with the Jaguars, they had an awesome peak in 2017 with their defense, but it just was not sustainable at all. And so yeah. I think it, I think in general it makes more sense to go with offense as like a priority, but especially when you're going to get a franchise, a potential franchise quarterback for the next however many years. Just I don't really see why not. Yeah. So that, I, I, I'm, I, I'm with you on that because, like I said, I, I just think – I think the coach and quarterback, it just has to be kind of, you know, the perfect marriage. And I, I, I think, you know, all these successful teams that we're seeing now, the quarterback and head coach are kind of, you know, in, in lockstep with each other. And that, that was always my thing, kind of maybe last year with Foles and Doug Marone, it just never seemed like they were really, you know, like that tight or had, you know, that kind of like bond. And I, I, I think, it, you know, it's important for the coach and the quarterback to, you know, like you had said, be kind of working side by side. So I'm with you. You know, for, for all the quarterback talk that we've had on today's show, though, Gus, what would you say are the three biggest positions the Jaguars need to upgrade other than quarterback? I'll, I, I'll, I'll give you mine, and I'll give you my reasoning. I think you got to go cornerback, de- interior defensive line, and offensive tackle. And I'm saying that under the premise that I have no idea if the Jaguars are going to be signed Cam Robinson or not. So if we're now just working with the information that we have right now, he's set to be a free agent. So I'm just working under the assumption that, okay, they kind of have a hole at left tackle until, you know, his situation is cleared up. And I think, I, I think even if in the event that, you know, for the people that want to sign Cam Robinson, I'd still think that they'd probably be better off kind of investing in another left tackle, but then cornerback and defensive tackle, I, I'm not sure there's a position on the defense that it has, lacking in talent as much as defensive tackle you know Devon Hamilton you know great nose tackle you know really strong run defender who has you know flashes of pass rush but then Taven Bryan he's officially entered the bus category 
Uh, Doug Costin, really good run defender. I know PFF loves him, but I think he's better off as a rotational guy just because he's kind of giving them zero in the pass rush department. And their best interior pass rusher right now, the Juan Smoot, is set to be a free agent. So I, I, I think they badly need somebody on the interior. And that's why over these next few weeks, I'll be banging the drum of, you know, I, and I can't believe I'll be saying it, but that they should sign Leonard Williams because he's far and away the best interior disruptor in free agency this year. And it's a pretty weak uh, draft class in that area. And then I think cornerback is just kind of obvious. Uh, their kind of entire strategy was, all right, let's put C.J. Henderson on an island and then hope the rest of the secondary can hold up. And it just – it whether for injuries or poor play, it just hasn't happened. And Sidney Jones looked like a solid future number two for a little bit there. But with all his injuries this year, I don't think you can confidently, you know, go into next season with him as your starter. So if I had to pick three biggest needs outside quarterback in no order, I'd go defensive tackle, corner, offensive tackle. What about you? Yeah. And Sidney Jones is also going to be a free agent. And like that rotating, the rotating door of cornerbacks has just been, hysterical this season for the Jaguars they had no like there there was a point last week where they they were still figuring out who exactly was going to play cornerback against the Ravens it 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 was insane because you know they had Jones hurt uh DJ Hayden hurt uh CJ Henderson hurt uh Trey Herndon spent a few days on the reserve COVID-19 list last week it is just wild the kind of attrition that they've had a cornerback this year but even without the attrition they have like one guy who's a bona fide starter yeah, and even then, like he's a bona fide future starter. Like, yeah, he was, he's a rookie. Yeah, like he was good this year, but like, yeah, he would probably be like the cornerback too on most teams. So yeah, he's a starter. But he, he, I agree, he was better than I thought he'd be. Yeah, That's my um, I think those are three good positions. It was a good point about Cam, the fact that he's a free agent, because I think I'm I'm personally gonna be banging the drum for them to sign Trent Williams or some kind of like veteran to like a decently sized contract just to have like a stable presence on that left side of the line so that you can kind of like worry about other positions now and then kind of readdress either draft like a developmental left tackle or just kind of worry about the position later but to be able to have kind of like the stability or just kind of know in the back of your mind that that position's okay for another couple years even if it's just like two or three years I think would be great for the team and especially the whoever quarterback whichever quarterback is taken um I would say and then defensive tackle I completely agree where like they seem they have really great depth but they don't really have a starter and they just have no playmakers at really any level Miles Jack is a playmaker honestly yeah other than that like I feel like at safety and at defensive tackle they just have no disruption and so both of those positions definitely need it which I feel like is why Leonard Williams would be a good pick as yeah. you said, because even though he's kind of like this was a little bit of a breakout year for him and he was underwhelming before this year, like he he's explosive as hell. So yeah. and what just, I, and you kind of look at their other options and I don't know. Have you taken a look at the like defensive tackle free agent class at all? I mean, I've looked at the free agent class, but I don't remember seeing any defensive tackles. Yeah, for a good reason. It's it's right. it's terrible. And like I guess the way I'm seeing it is, you know, in twenty seventeen a big reason their defense was so good was because of the interior disruption they got. You know, Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, both pro bowlers, and then Marcel Darius was really effective. They have maybe half a interior disruptor right now in Devon Hamilton. You know, I don't think you can even consider him 
you know, big time yet because, you know, he hasn't kind of shown it as a pass rusher. So, you know, it just – in my opinion, if they're going to get back to, you know, that level of affecting the quarterback and the run game, I just – I think they badly need an influx of talent there. And I, I, I just it, – it, it's kind of jarring to see them go from Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, and Marcel Darius to, you know, Taven Bryan, Doug Costin, and Daniel Ukale. Yeah, we've said it before, but that's, like, why the – Taven bust. I think at this point it's kind of fair to call it a bust. Oh, yeah. At the beginning of the year, I would have been hesitant, but that's why it's so ironic and just funny is that like that was a plan is for Taven to kind of take over for those yep. guys, and then now we're just kind of left with nothing. But just to play devil's advocate, I would agree. Definitely, def- like interior defensive line and cornerback would be the two biggest needs, and then I would say receiver would probably be my thing. And I've I've, I've talked about this before, but I just think receivers are super important to an offense because. Oh, yeah you have to get open in order to get targets. And so while Chark is awesome and Colin Johnson has shown more this season than I honestly expected him to. He's still named more. Yeah. And Keelan Cole is going to be a free agent. Chris Conley is going to be a free agent. LaVisca Sanat is a lot of fun. He's a, he's more of a fun player at this point than he is a good receiver. Yeah. And so I don't hate hate LaVisca Sanat. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm mostly just salty. It's not even him. It's just that, like, you know that I'm salty that they didn't draft a receiver in the first round last last year. So that always kind of stick with me. Yeah. But even though he's he's really cool, he hasn't shown the ability to be a receiver more than just a running back, which is all – or, yeah. So, which is why I think it's hilarious how Jaguars fans always draft or mock draft Kadarius Tony to the Jaguars is because, like, are you really going to have Tony and Shanaugh on the field at the same time? Like what, what college offense are you going to be running with the two of them on the field? So like a receiver across from DJ Chark, cause I know you've been on the chart train as much as anyone else and kind of saying that like buy low on him because he's a star and this season has just been so brutal yeah. for him to get quarterback play more than, more than anyone else. But like, I think if the Jaguars can get um, like another borderline alpha receiver across some shark to pair with like the rookie quarterback again, then that would be awesome. So would you pay Juju? No, before this year, before this year, I honestly probably would have, but now that we already have, like, I think Shana is probably best fit for the slot so that you can kind of work in that space. And so we kind of need a perimeter receiver. Um, And Juju. What about uh, Chris Godwin? Would you drop that kind of money? A hundred percent in a heartbeat. I think he's had he's dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but yeah. last year he was genu- like legitimately one of the best receivers in the entire league. So in a heartbeat, I would pay him. Yeah. And then one more is Kenny Galladay, who I think is honestly a, probably one of the more overrated receivers in the league. He's a beast, but I just I I don't really see him. I wouldn't rate him in the top ten or rank him in the top ten for receivers. But at the same time, if the Jaguars do end up with Trevor Lawrence. I think that would be an awesome fit. Yeah. I think I think Colin Johnson and those types of like jump ball guys who can just go up and get it would be awesome with Lawrence because he has a ball placement ability and just the trust factor to throw it up to people like T. Higgins and those kind of guys. Yeah. So I'd be I've, happy with any of them. I, I've been following the draft since 2013, and so I, I started following the draft deeply after the Andrew Luck year. And to me, Lawrence is – most sure thing at quarterback. I, I think he's infinitely better than Joe Burrow uh, as a prospect, better than Winston, obviously, uh, better than the 2018 guys. 
Uh, Watson's probably up there. Mahomes is a prospect. I was lower on. Don't have to. Don't have to get into that. But <laughs> moving and, on. Yeah, and then I, I just, I, I, I think you know when you're talking about like putting pieces around him, I think he's the type of quarterback that you know the offense could lift off. I, I really do think the offense could lift off in 2021 if they're able to kind of you know get lucky enough to get that top pick because at this point luck is all they really have you know I mean they have to be lucky to lose these next two games because they're not going to try to they're not going to try to lose them you know they're going to try to win them so all right um I I I guess moving on we should talk about the Bears to an extent because you know for all the Trevor Lawrence talk there is a football game that's going to be played someday so there's one major point I want to talk with you about who do you think the Jaguars miss more? The revenge game player they played against last week and Yannick Ngakwe, or this week's revenge player, Allen Robinson? Because I think both probably don't miss the Jaguars as much as the Jaguars miss each of them. But I, I kind of lean Robinson that they miss more than Ngakwe because I think Robinson can thrive with any quarterback. And, you know, we've seen him make plays with Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, and Blake Bortles, and Christian Hackenberg as his quarterback. So th- this dude is Teflon, you know, when it comes to the people throwing it to him. And I think they're definitely missing Ngakwe, but I think Ngakwe is on this Jaguars defense in 2020, and it's marginally better. Yeah, I would say, like, in general, they miss Robinson more because if I had to pick between the two of them, I would slightly rather have Allen Robinson because I'll put him in my top ten, and as you said, He's kind of been able to play with anybody. like. But in terms of this season, I would say for the 2020 Jaguars, miss Ngagwe more just because their pass rush has been abysmal. And part of that is because of the secondary behind them, which has given them like zero time to get to the quarterback. But I think like Chark has been like injured and has had an inconsistent year, but obviously his production would skyrocket with an average quarterback. And so putting – uh, unique on the defensive line would have way more impact and value for this season than putting another great receiver who isn't really going to do much because of quarterback play sure. for this season. Sure. But I definitely agree that in general and for the future, I would rather have Robinson. Yeah, no, and and that's a valid point. And I I I thought it was hilarious last week that Ngakwe's best game this season has came against the Jaguars, you know. Ravens fans have been waiting for like a month, like, okay, when's Ngakwe going to start making his game-changing plays? And of course it happened, you know, this past week. And I I had to take during the game that Yannick Ngakwe is not elite, but the Jaguars are still kind of wrong for how they handled that, just because I still think they aren't in the position to ship off talented players for a second-round pick. I mean, you know, they've picked TJ Yeldon, Jonathan Cyprian, those kind of players in the second round. So it's not act like second round picks are kind of, you know, full, like foolproof. Right. Yeah. They were, I, I wrote about his contract situation in the off season. And basically to conclude, I agree with you that he's not elite. He's kind of at the very top of the next tier of edge rushers. Yeah. But at the same time, they still should have paid him. Like both can obviously be true. And what they probably could have or should have paid him would be in like that, like low, 20 million per year range like low 20s i mean because then at in a year or two he's going to be not one of the lowest paid players but like probably like the 20th highest paid edge player sure. which is fine because he's probably like roughly the 20th best edge player and yeah. so like once it's basically like one season of overpaying him and then the market kind of catches up 
And so both can be true that I definitely agree that he's not part of the elites here, but they, it usually should have gone done and it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I think both instances are players that they should have kept. It's just, it, it was interesting to me that so many of Caldwell's best draft picks, and I mean Caldwell's best picks, not Coffin guys, but players Caldwell picked when he was here, just how many of them kind of, you know, left Jacksonville. And I'm like, you know, it's hard to give credit, you know, for making those picks if you're not able to retain those guys. And I think that's a big thing the Jaguars kind of have to focus on moving forward. But they also – they don't have anybody right now like an Ngakwe or – you know, like an Allen Robinson who is kind of, you know, in that contract situation where their play has kind of, you know, earned a big payday, you know. They have a few free agents this year, but I don't, none of them are that kind of caliber of player. Yeah, 100%. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, and I, I – <laughs> I'm sorry. I, no, no, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. I guess my entire reason for asking is just that I think Robinson is going to have – one of okay. Here's 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 my here's my hot take for the week, folks. Okay. Al Robinson is going to have the single most productive game of his career on Sunday, partially because it's the Jaguars and partially because I think the Jaguars staff is still kind of acquainting themselves with who's going to be playing cornerback on Sunday. And partially because Mitch Trubisky is an elite quarterback once again. Mitch Trubisky. Yep. A hundred percent. All right. My hot take. Um. I got to give Joe Giles – is it Giles or Giles? Yeah. Yes, okay, all of the above. <laughs> uh, I think it's Giles. So I'll, we'll I just roll so that. I think so, too. Joe Giles Harris, just um, as a shout-out to him, basically he's been maybe the best player on the team in the past month after moving a strong side linebacker after Correa left with an injury in week 11. So he's been starting since week 12, and he's been awesome from that same position. And so – my hot take is that he scores his first career touchdown. Really? Whether whether it be a pick six or a strip sack and fumble or who knows I what. Can see that. Just get, give him a touchdown. That's my hot I, take. I, I can see that. Well, while, while we're on that subject, do you have a score prediction? Because I know this is the single most important Jaguars game since the AFC Championship. And that's kind of, you know, wild to say, but. I mean, do, do you have a score prediction? I, I have one, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you go first. I'll say 31 to 22. I think it's going to be – like, I think – I'm pretty sure the spread is, like, Bears 7.5 by our favorites. And so I think that they'll, like, cover it, but I don't think it'll be a blow like last week. I think it'll be a game where the Jaguars fall behind quickly and they kind of hang around just enough to make people worried. But at the end of the – by the end of the game, it won't be – it'll be a two-score game. Yeah. So, 31-22. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm going to go 26 Jaguars, 23 Bears. I think Jaguars win on Aldrich Rosa's field goal at the end of the game. Oh, my gosh, man. No, I I, I think the Jaguars are going to win one of these next two games. But they, they have the benefit of the Jets are going to play the Patriots in Week 17. But – I just get the feeling that they're that they're going to send Marone off with at least one win in these next two games. It, 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 it's, I, I, it's, I have no logic for it. It's just like what what my gut is telling me. Oh boy, John, that's tough. This game's in Chicago, right? No, it's in Jacksonville. Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you hate yeah, to no, see it. it uh, I, 
like like I said, there's no logic to it because James Robinson's not 100%. You know, he's going to play, but he's not 100%. Uh, the defense is missing a ton of pieces, and they're having a week 16 quarterback competition between, like, the 35th and the 36th best quarterback in the NFL. So, by no <laughs> logic should they win this game. Yeah, I was, was going to say – My entire prediction is based off them being the Jaguars. I mean, that's pretty fair. But I was going to say, I think – once they name a quarterback, that'll give me more of like, no, I mean, just because like Minshew's no, no, not I, winning. I, I was shaking my head because they're not naming one. They said they're going to be evaluating a Saturday. You're going to find out at 1 p.m. on Sunday. All right. Well, that'll be a little too late for a, an official prediction. Yeah, but if, so if, Min, if Minshew ends up getting a start, then I really have a hard time, even though it would be the most Jaguars thing of all time to win this game. I really can't see the Jaguars winning with Minshew. If, Glennon starts I think Glennon is like more volatile almost but he like he has more potential to just hit on like three random deep shots that could kind of push them over to the edge on like a close one score game like you said okay I'll I'll go ahead and reverse my prediction they win if (laughs) slash when Mike Glennon starts they lose if Minshew starts, but I think Glennon's going to start. And yeah, I, I, you know, come come to my Twitter, my mentions with the pitchforks and torches. I welcome it. Tell me why I'm an idiot, but tell me that you don't search within yourself. Everybody listening to this eventually, and tell me you are not also thinking the Jaguars are going to win this game on Saturday. Like I said, I have no logic for it. Uh, everything that is in the realm of reason says the Bears win this game easily, but. Uh, what logic said the Jets were going to beat the Rams, you know? True that. Yeah, that's kind of the best just gut feeling, so we'll yeah, see. Well, so, yeah, that. but uh, I'll go ahead and also say I think the Jets beat the Patriots, so I think it ultimately doesn't matter. That would not shock me in the slightest. Honestly. I think they're going to start Stidham. Really? Yeah. Just because Cam's not been that good? That and I'm not sure how healthy he is. That's true, yeah. And, and you know, their season's officially over, so they might just say, okay, let's – Let's see what this quarterback who wasn't good in college has in the NFL to continue to prove that he isn't good. I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I just want to go ahead and continue, like, just leave the show on this note. I am baffled because I had many arguments on Twitter about it. I am baffled at everybody that had told me that going into the offseason with Jared Stidham as your best quarterback was actually a good idea. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, people don't understand how difficult it is to be, like, a decent quarterback like there's probably like 10 good quarterbacks in the world and so like that's why it's so annoying when like people are just so bandwagon or not bandwagony but so biased towards their team's quarterback it's because like i don't know there's so few good quarterbacks and of course jared sidham is not one of them yeah but yeah i can already see like the bleacher report and all the social media posts about how bill belichick's like a genius because he prevented the jets from getting trevor lawrence and all that crap like, yeah, no, I, I, it's so easy to predict. I, I had somebody ask me, they're like, do you think Bill Belichick would purposely lose that game? And I'm like, if you had told Bill Belichick, okay, you're going to lose to the Jets, but you're going to prevent them from getting the best quarterback prospect of a decade, I think he would rather just – I think he would honestly rather beat them and help them get that quarterback than lose to the Jets, partially because I just think Belichick has that kind of hatred for the Jets, you know, in, in general, just because of his past. But, no, I, I, I don't think Belichick lays down at all for to help the Jaguars. That that would be more improbable than one of our hot takes ever coming right Yeah, now. I have a hot take, though. Or I don't know how hot it is, but, like, 
whatever the meme is wired is that Belichick lets the Jets win so that he like so that they don't get Trevor Lawrence, but inspired or whatever the second word is, I don't freaking know, is that he destroys them and they do end up getting the first pick just as a challenge to him, a personal challenge, so that now he knows he has to face this god of a quarterback prospect for the next decade. And so just like him saying to himself, how good am I really in terms of legacy and post Brady and all that, I think that would be more Belichick than losing. Well, that's, that's our cue that Gus has cabin fever. <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I, I honestly think Belichick thinks in that kind of like 3D chess type thing. Like I think he was thoroughly looking forward to going into this year without Brady to kind of show what he could do. And, just because the Buccaneers are good and the Patriots are not, it doesn't make me at all think that it was Brady and not Belichick. I still think it was mostly Belichick. Brady's obviously great, but. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. the correct answer is both. And that's honestly yeah, the only sure, answer. Sure. But yeah. And they had so many opt-outs on defense. Like the defense is what impacted it more than anything else. Definitely. Like, Dante Hightower. I've, here's a hot take for you. I think the absence of Dante Hightower had arguably a bigger impact than the absence of Tom Brady for this season versus last. But, yeah. I, I'd probably agree with that. Like, just because not just I, I don't even think Cam, Cam's cam been awful. And we're getting into this yeah. weird Patriots uh, tangent. <laughs> but, it, you know, just 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 because, I mean, the Patriots are about to be one of the most important teams in Jaguars history. Just because, you know, I mean, if, if people like me who are just pessimistic about the Jaguars' chances to actually do, like, have things go their way these next two weeks. The Patriots, uh, every Jaguars fan is going to be rooting for the Patriots in week 17. So, I, I you know, I, I think it's important to, you know, kind of look at their chances against the Jets. And I, I, if you had told me to pick one of them right now, I'd pick the Jets in that game, though. Yeah, just, I agree. Just It'll like be interesting to see, Jets like, what the spread there. is and all that, because, like, I generally would not at all be surprised if they won, especially yeah. since, like, I don't know, Adam Gase, we all know, is not it in terms of a head coach. But, like, he honestly, like, had a good game plan against the Rams' really good defense. And so, we'll see what happens. But Is there – is it a 0% chance the Jets beat the Browns this weekend and guarantee the Jaguars the number one pick? Um, I don't know. The Browns are so hard to figure out. Dude, little, I, 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 why do I kind of feel like the Browns are an opponent the Jets could upset? Yeah. the the I feel like the Browns are kind of like the Titans were, like – they're fake frauds where you know they're not as good as they actually are, but then they just like they're keep playing really well. So I don't know. They're kind of in the middle. It's definitely a non zero chance. It's, I'll put it like a 20 maybe. Like Browns I would give, beat the Jags by two. Right. So like I would say, I don't know. I, I would honestly give like the Jags and the Jets about the same chance of winning this week. Because yeah. Yeah. like it would, it would also be like the most Browns thing of all time to lose to the Jets. It's still the yeah. Browns. It would be. Right? No, like, we keep saying the most be. Jags thing of all time, but, like, what about Cleveland? <laughs> it, and I, I was going to say, with, with me saying that, I'm sure every person in New York is saying it'd be the most Jets thing of all time for the Jags to not lose another game. So, uh, we will true, see true. which franchise is more frowned upon by, uh, you know, <laughs> the, by, by those who make these football, you know, results. But, well, that that was all I had uh, today. Uh, you guys can find me at underscore John underscore Shipley and at Jaguar Court. Gus, go ahead and give them your at, and uh, we will see you guys next time. I'm at Gus underscore Logue on Twitter.com.
Uh, thank, thank you guys for listening, and thank you for putting up with all 12 of Gus's hot takes today. We will see you all next time. 13 next week. Uh, <laughs> thank you.